Father, thank you so much for this morning, and thank you so much, God, for giving us life. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that, God, as we uh, open up your word this morning, and uh, God, as we focus in, Lord, I, I pray that you would speak to us. Uh, Lord, this morning, uh, we bring lots of things in the room, God. We come from many different places, God, uh, this morning, and Father, I just pray that you would meet us here. I, I pray that you would um, speak to us, God. And I pray that your presence would be known, Father, and that we would know that we have been with you this morning, God. Thank you for the team uh, leading us this morning, Father, to to lift high the name of Jesus. Father, thank you so much for what you accomplished on the cross, and God, how you purchased our freedom by dying for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, Some some church family news that... uh, Many of you already know, but just the, the passing of Mr. Homer Scoggins, um, just, uh, you know, what a man, right? And uh, celebration of his, his life um, this afternoon, uh, 2 o'clock right here, and um, just 92 years of solid faithfulness, and uh, just loving Jesus, and I'm sure a great example to everybody in the room who knew him, and uh, especially those who knew him up close. So uh, if you can be a part of that this afternoon, um, 2 o'clock um, right here. Now, this morning, um, you probably got blown in here, right? <laughs> Some uh, exciting stuff out there. But uh, this morning, uh, a little bit different. Um, the Lord's uh, put some stuff on my heart. And uh, this morning, I'm just going to share it with you. So um, today is, uh, is my attempt to give a uh, State of the Union um, for Mount Olive Baptist Church. And now this morning, this is... Uh, a little bit rare um, for me, but I, I just want to apologize up front for being um, incredibly note-dependent this morning. But there are times in my own personal life when writing helps me clarify the truest feelings of my heart. So here it goes. It's an exciting time to be a part of Mount Olive Baptist Church. If you guys are around here and you guys are are connected and you guys are a part of the the temperature and the climate of of Mount Olive, um, you'll find men and women and you'll find boys and girls and you'll find students where there's hope and where there's joy that can only be found in Christ and it's contagious. A lot's happened um, during the last year. Um, Just for example, over our ministry staff, um, over the last year, the Lord has added um, Haley um, as our, our children's director this year, and um, the Lord's using her in that role to provide what we were missing and what we were needing, and it's amazing how the Lord can put pieces together, and Haley was already among us and uh, didn't realize just how quickly time goes. Uh, Josh and Haley, they celebrated four years uh, of marriage this this week, and uh, three years have been here at Mount Olive, so we're thankful that three-fourths of your marriage has been here, and now um, you work here on the team with us, and uh, we're thankful for that. And um, God has given specific abilities and gifts to Haley uh, that God is using uh, where we needed them. The Lord continues to bless uh, this team with uh, the love and wisdom that come from Verlin and Lavanda both. I cannot understate, overstate their connection on this ministry staff team and the excitement that they provide for myself as well as our church family uh, when we meet together and we spend time together. And um, I love you guys. And your insight and your love for Jesus and your hope for the future is refreshing. If you hang out with these guys, 
you might walk away with a new dance move. The Lord has added Paul and Abby to our team on this ministry staff to lead us in the areas of student ministry and worship. And in the brief time that I've known you guys both, I already know, Paul, you're already challenging my life. I haven't shared that up close with you, but, but Paul and I are alike in certain ways and we are different in certain ways. And I'm thankful for the, the simplicity in your love for Jesus. And, and Abby, you as well. And I'm looking forward to just partnership on the team with both of you. And you guys are uniquely gifted and uniquely placed on this team for God's reason. Now, the best part of me is sitting right there. And you will never know the gift that my wife is to this church behind the scenes. You guys see me up front, but you would not see me being who the Lord wants me to be were it not for her. Jana has more gifts bundled up inside of her than any person I've ever known. With the freedom to be who the Lord made her to be, she'll continue to bless this church. And I ask you to pray for her. Many times her labor for you and the sake of the health of Mount Olive will be more felt than it will be seen or heard. Jenna, I would marry you a million times over. And I want to thank you for sharing this life with me. Now, to get a a glimpse inside of of my world, and uh, each time I'm privileged to stand in front of you to preach, My goal is to share with a full heart. Preaching with a full heart is the hardest work of my life. Because getting my heart prepared for what I do on Sundays and anytime I I stand and I share God's truth with you, getting my heart prepared is way harder than getting my head prepared. Heart work involves every part of me. Heart work means doing my part to to keep good relationships with those around me, loving others like Christ would, asking the Lord to convict me of my own personal sin that I need to fight, and keeping my relationship with my family healthy and good, and being a preacher whose wife can sit and look at him as he stands in front of the church and say, that man is my husband, and I'm proud of him because he is true to the core, and he lives what he preaches. He is genuine from his rising in our home to his rising to preach. Also in my home, I want my daughter to be able to say that her daddy loves Jesus at the dinner table and in the yard. And I want Markley to love the church and not grow up resenting her. Head work only involves part of me. Head work is getting a, a message done just like you'd get a task done at work. It needs to be accomplished. It needs to be finished. You can write a message with your head and leave your heart behind. Even if it kills me, I don't ever want to preach like that. If you want to pray a few verses for your pastor, I'll take this opportunity this morning to share a few with you. And I, I seriously, I pray that you will take these verses with you. You don't have to look them up right now. Uh, one of them that I pray that you'll take with you is Psalm 19.14. Psalm 19.14 is, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Please pray Psalm 19.14 for me. Another one is, is Jeremiah 20, verse 7. In Jeremiah 20, verse 7, Jeremiah says, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, 
His word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Will you please pray Jeremiah 20? I said verse 7, but it's verse 9. Will you please pray Jeremiah 20, verse 9 for your pastor? One more, 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul is speaking to Timothy, and he's saying, Timothy, this is how to do it. Timothy, this is what it looks like to lead God's church. And in 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul says to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of truth. I ask you, please, pray those verses for your pastor. Psalm 19.14, Jeremiah 20, verse 9. 2 Timothy 2.15. If you'll pray those verses for me, I will forever be indebted to you. I may never know the prayers that you pray for me, but I'm so thankful for every single one. Now, Luke Maxwell, (laughs) he's not right there, but you tell him, Mark. Luke Maxwell, for whatever reason, has taken me as his personal prayer partner. Luke Maxwell is praying for me weekly and i know it because i see some prayer requests from the kids and luke maxwell is always praying for his pastor and um, i'm gonna have to get a hold of him and i want i want to thank my little brother uh, for being a prayer warrior for me church i want to tell you that i need your prayers Jana needs your prayers verlin needs your prayers lavanda needs your prayers haley needs your prayers josh needs your prayers Paul needs your prayers. Abby needs your prayers. We are at war with an enemy who delights in attacking and thwarting those attempting to lead God's church. And I ask you, I actually beg you, please pray for us. And personally, pray that the Lord will give me what I need to share with you. And if you'll keep praying, I'll keep preaching with a full heart. Every single time I stand in front of you. If I preach with my head, I'll play it safe. If I preach with my heart as God leads and directs it, I'll take risks. My risk-taking obedience depends on whether or not I fear God or whether I fear those in front of me. And I ask you, please pray that I'll fear God first and foremost. And then, and only then, I'll be willing to take the risk that God wants me to take. Now, for this particular State of the Union type message, I want to share with you a part of a message that I preached exactly five years ago as of last night. Only a couple of you were there, and a couple of you may remember a few lines I shared during a series of Sunday night messages that I called Muddy Waters. Yep, about five of you were there. Okay, Um, now why did I call it muddy waters? When the church reaches like it's supposed to reach, things get messy. It's not a bad kind of messy, it's just messy. Picture a, a gathering of your entire extended family under one roof for an extended period of time. And here we are, we're a little messy altogether. But that's what families are, gloriously and beautifully messy. The Lord cares about the spread of his church to the next generation. Reaching the next generation is really easy for us to talk about. 
but it's really difficult for us to do. When we're reaching on all fronts as God sees fit to bless us in this way, we will have many different generations involved. And we will have a beautiful, God-ordained look of muddy water. Through the Lord's eyes, I'm sure it's actually beautiful water. It's easy for us to say that we're willing to enter into muddy water and, and reach out to a rising generation. But if we're not careful, if we're not diligent, sensitive to the needs of others, strategic, purposeful, prayerful, intentional, and focused, we'll miss other generations by neglect. Whether it's intentionally an effort to soothe our own personal comforts, or if it's from the desires of our own, or if it's from ignorance, or if it's from our own internal busyness. And by neglect, this is what I mean. Refusing to change some of the things that can become very, very important to us personally. And maybe even become idol-like to us. For example, color, decor, music, style, times, focuses, strategy, out-of-the-box ideas, etc. And when we refuse to be open to change, we usually refuse to invite. We refuse to welcome. We refuse to really participate when we're present. And we refuse to sacrifice our time and money to help us get where they are. And that takes us working together <laughs> with an agreed-upon budget, which we have, set up to get the gospel as far as we possibly can. In the end, what does that all mean? When we neglect a generation for long enough, we will eventually lose them completely. The evangelical church in America as a whole, a whole lot of churches that are just like us, the evangelical church in America as a whole has failed in reaching the next generation. How do we know we're losing them? We know we're losing them because they don't come. Or if they come, they come once. We need to make the church as relevant to them as it has been to every single one of us. And I'm not talking about compromising the truth in any form. I'm talking about making shifts in non-essential areas. Styles and preferences that can become in our hearts like essential areas. And I have them just as much as you have them. And all of them are different. But it's deeper than this. We've got to remember that lost people live like lost people. And Scripture is very clear that we shouldn't judge them for that. Reaching another generation who is not a part of the church right now takes time. Sometimes it takes years. But we should celebrate every little victory along the way. It's a journey worth being on. And their souls are worth fighting for. Your labor on Wednesday to reach the community has proven the hearts of many of you. Your willingness to, to redesign a children's wing so that kids have a place to go. Your desire and your effort to create the gathering place as a home for all different kinds of ministry. In all your efforts, so many other places, tells me that Mount Olive is willing to swing for the fences. Today, my goal is to keep reaching in the forefront. Five years ago, I shared these words from Paul and I think they're really applicable to share right now. 
They're found in 1 Corinthians 9. If you've got a Bible with you, I'd love for you to see them. 1 Corinthians 9. In the very first part of chapter 9, Paul's talking about all different kinds, forms of surrender. Paul's saying that he's surrendered to the way that he lives. He's surrendered to the way that he survives, the way that he travels, the way that he eats, the way that he continues to preach the gospel. And he gets to this particular section of verses at the very end of the chapter. And they intrigue me. In these verses, Paul describes how self-denial made it possible for him to reach more and more people. Um, quick side note, Philippians 2, 3 through 4, they're verses that I know. Paul wrote this in another place. He said, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Now, I'm sure you, you might know those verses, and those are verses about you know, loving others as better than myself. Those are verses that are, that are easily known, but when it comes to actually doing them, right, it's difficult. So I understand what those words mean. I know what I'm supposed to do, but in these verses, Paul shows us what it really looks like. In 1 Corinthians 9, um, starting with verse 19, Paul writes, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a servant to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. Okay, you have to go back home and (laughs) diagram all this out. But the purpose, so as to win those not having the law. Verse 22, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that By all possible means, I might save some. I do this, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I want to focus just for a second on verse number 19. Now look with me at verse 19. It says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a servant to everyone to win as many as possible. Paul says, I am free and belong to no man. Paul was saying, I'm a free man. I can do whatever I want. I was born in Rome. I can roam wherever I want to. I'm nobody's servant. I'm not dependent on anybody else. Pretty much have most of the Old Testament scriptures memorized. I mean, Paul didn't go around saying he was the man. But in my estimation, Paul was the man. And Paul says, I belong to no man. I'm my own guy. He says, I'm free and belong to no man. But that's totally different from what comes next. Paul says, though I'm free and belong to no man, look at what he says next. I make myself. I view myself. I put myself in the place 
as being servant to all. What does that mean? It means that I will voluntarily change my habits. I will voluntarily change my preferences. I will voluntarily change my lifestyle. I will change all of those things as long as they don't cause me to sin, as long as what I do is not questionably leading someone else into sin, as long as it's not doing anything that would lead anybody to sin, I will change all of those things for one reason. And he says it next at the end of verse 19, to win as many as possible. Paul never forgot the one thing at any personal cost. At any personal sacrifice to himself, he wanted more and more people to be one to Jesus. Paul truly believed in a very real place called hell. A very real place where people go and spend forever. People are saved when they get the gospel. And Paul had already said in Romans 1.16 that he was not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God so that people can be saved. Paul's heart clearly in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19 is this. I give up my preferential rights to win as many as possible. I give up my preferential rights to win as many as possible. When I was about eight years old, I was at a football game, varsity football game. Just like in commerce, football's king, Friday night, whole town's there. I mean, it's a massive stadium. I mean, people were everywhere. And I remember, eight years old, I'm in the middle of all the screaming, yelling fans, you know, and I'm Forsyth Central Bulldogs, you know, and everybody's decked out, just like you're at a Georgia game. And everybody's crazy, you know, cheering for the home team. And I'm all in the middle of the crowd, you know, a little eight-year-old, yeah, you know, cheering. And in the middle of that game, Someone from the sidelines, a a guy from the sidelines that I knew from church, his name was Damon. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure that when you were a child, there were certain people that you looked up to, and when you look back, you say, wow, that doesn't make any sense why I looked up to that person so much. And I looked up to this person so much that I wanted everything that he had. I mean, I thought that the acne on his face was amazing, you know. And as an eight-year-old, I wanted everything to be like that guy. He had braces. I wanted braces. I wanted to be like Damon. And you know what Damon did? This is fascinating. Now that I look back and how it impacted my life all these years later, Damon went from the sidelines and Damon came up into the stands. I was watching him because I had my eye on him, you know, the people that you look up to. And I had my eye on him. And Damon came up into the stands and he said, hey, Blake. I didn't even know that he knew my name. I mean, we went to church together. He said, hey, Blake, I want you to come with me. Wherever you want to go, Damon, I'm ready. You know, eight-year-old strength, here I come. And I went, Damon took me. I don't even know what his position, I mean, now looking back, I have no idea what was going on. I guess my parents were watching. I mean, again, it was a little bit of a different day. But Damon got me, and he took me right to the edge of the action. And he had me right with him in the football game. Now, Damon gave up preferential rights of being tough high school senior who's on the sidelines, right? You know, he gave up those preferential rights to come and stoop to a little eight-year-old boy cheering in the crowd. And he came up and he got me and he took me to where he was. He was free man, belonged to no one. All of us 
We are free. Belong to no man. And as a believer in Christ, you have a lot of freedom. Sit where you want. Go where you want. Shop where you want. Drive where you want. Be a part of whatever you want to be a part of. Invite who you want. Go to church with who you want to go to church with. Invite people to church that you want to invite to church with you. Spend your Friday night the way you want to spend your Friday night. Eat whatever you want to. Go wherever. But here's Paul. Giving up personal preferences to win as many as possible. Now, man, all of it, it seems kind of backwards. Painful, maybe. Uncomfortable, probably. But when you and I are willing to give up our preferences, our preferential rights, for the sake of winning people to Jesus, we are on the road to changing the world in someone's life. I asked this question five years ago. Are you willing to give up your rights so that many of the moms and dads and families in commerce can be one to Jesus? Are you willing to give up your rights so that many of the moms and dads and families in commerce can be one to Jesus? And I followed with these questions. How far will I go in giving up my own personal preferences? How far will you go in giving up your own personal preferences for one reason, so that we can win more people to Jesus. Here's the question that keeps coming to my mind over and over and over again this week. Please listen very, very closely to this question. Will we be a church God can use to reach the next generation among us? Or will He have to send another one? can't get this question out of my mind and love for it to be stuck in yours as well. Will we be a church God can use to reach the next generation among us? Or will he have to send another one? Y'all, I believe that Mount Olive Baptist Church has a bright future in making a dent in this community for the name of Jesus. And I believe that Mount Olive can continue to be a mighty tool that God uses to reach and win more and more people to Jesus. But if we're not willing, if we won't go there, if we can't give up some of our own preferences, the Lord may have to raise up another church to reach them. So I ask you the question, are you willing? I know it's a big question. I know it's a lot to think about. I know that we've all got our different preferential rights. But I do know that God is stirring. And I do know that God is working. And with all of my heart, I want to see us proceed together to go forward in reaching more and more men and women, boys and girls, to Jesus. I don't know the details of what it looks like. I'm not standing in front of you this morning to share any specifics with you of what it would look like. That's not the purpose this morning of what I'm sharing from my heart. The purpose of this State of the Union is putting my heart before you and asking what's in yours. Are you willing to give up some preferential rights to win as many as possible? Which ones, Blake? I don't know. You have to take that before the Lord. Here's a great comfort to me. 
The Lord knows exactly what we need to do. The Lord knows exactly what we need to look like. The Lord knows exactly how we can win more people to Jesus. And I don't know about you, but He's come through for me every single time. Sometimes He took me all the way down to the wire. I don't know about you guys, scared to death trembling, shaking, all the way down. Lord, I'm going to have to make a decision. Lord, i got to go right. i got to go left. Lord, I'm at a crossroads. And I can tell you that the Lord has provided direction for me every single time. There's not one time that He got me down to the wire and He didn't tip me towards right, tip me towards left. Sometimes it was really scary. But he always gave me what I needed right on time. I know that we can trust him with the future. And if we will trust him with the future, I can tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, we will make Satan tremble. We won't make Satan tremble if we hang on. To, right? You, you guys are with me, right? Ephesians 3.20, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, goes like this. With God's power. I mean, the storehouse of God's power. Creating everything. Creating all of you. Creating the entire planet. Creating everything that you see. And you say, wow, how did he do that? With God's power working in us, God can do much. Much more than anything we can ask or imagine. I conclude my State of the Union address. And I ask you, please don't forget my question. Please take this question with you. I repeat it one more time. Will we be a church God can use to reach the next generation among us? Or will He have to send another one? This morning, we're going to close a little bit different. This morning, I I would like to close this morning with an opportunity for corporate prayer. For all of us to pray for God to bless our community through us. And I want to ask you, if you'll join me in praying that God would use us to win as many people as possible. That God would use us to be open. God, what do you want to do? How do you want to use us? We'll never compromise your message. But Lord God, we will do anything. We will use anything you give us to reach more men and women and more, more boys and girls with the gospel. So this morning, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask Paul to come, and Paul just to play for a minute, Paul, if that's okay. And as Paul comes to play, if you've got questions, I want to say this first and foremost, if you've got questions this morning, you say, Blake, I walked into a weird day at church. Well, you know, every day is different at church, right? But if you say you walked in this morning, and we've been singing the gospel, and maybe this morning you've been hearing some stuff about following Jesus, and I, I don't know about that preacher guy, uh, and I never heard anything quite like that before, state of the union before, but, but, you know, some things that you shared this morning are pricking where God has been working in me. And God's been working in me about being a follower of Jesus. And if you're here this morning and God's been working on you about following Jesus, you just block everything else you heard this morning. And I pray that you'd place your trust in Christ. And this morning we're going to gather up and pray across here. And I'm going to be over here to the side. If you need to grab me and grab somebody else and say, hey, hey Blake, first and foremost, I don't know Jesus. And I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'd love to open up the scriptures with you and share with you what it looks like to begin following Jesus.
that God would change your life in a moment and then connect you with a body of believers in, like we are here today. So I'm going to be over here on the side. And this morning, I'm going to ask, I'm putting them on the spot. I didn't talk to them about this before, but I know them well. Um, Berlin and Mr. Bill, um, I want to ask you all if uh, after several minutes of, of us gathered across here to pray this morning, give us a little bit of time. I want to ask you two men to come up, grab a mic, and to pray for us as a church body. Pray that God would give us wisdom, that God would give us direction, and that God would win as many as possible through us. And after those two men pray, Paul will close us in a song this morning, and I pray again that the question would have ended. So as Paul plays, if you want to join me, join me. I'm going to be standing over here to the side. I would ask you, church body, let's pray together.